You are listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We've been talking this hour about the threat of a possible economic recession and what that would mean here in Michigan. Now I want to talk about what it would mean for our largest city, Detroit. Just six years out of the largest municipal bankruptcy in history, are the city's finances stable enough to hold up in a recession? And how are the city's books looking in 2019. Here to talk more about what's going on in the city and with its finances is Chad Livengood. He's a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business. Chad, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Stephen. All right, let's start with how the city is doing financially just six years out of the bankruptcy. Well, um, to pretty much they're doing well. Uh, they're, they're growing. And the, the general fund grows every year. They've got surpluses um, and, and they're, you know, after the bankruptcy, they, the general fund was shrunk well below a billion dollars. Uh, it has grown back to about one point oh seven billion dollars, and and you know things look nice on the balance sheet. They're socking away money every year, uh, putting away money into the pension fund now, uh, or what's known as the pension trust fund, uh, because in twenty twenty four, the way the uh, grand bargain of the bankruptcy worked was Detroit essentially got a ten year reprieve from having to make full pension payments, mm-hmm. and those payments are being made by this uh, trust fund set up during the bankruptcy where these. Uh, philanthropic foundations and corporations um, and the state of Michigan contributed what, what essentially was was $860 million over 20 years. And that money is being slowly fed into the pension fund and basically relieving the city of, of those payments. The city makes very minimal payments to its pensions until 2024. And then they have to resume being a um, a city with all this uh, legacy debt again. Um, and and so that they, the, the, the Duggan administration has tried to set up uh, what's known as sort of a, a, a pension ramp to try to try to build up towards that. And they're putting away uh, surplus funds right now because in 2024, they'll have to start paying $143 million again out of for pensions mm-hmm. on, on what right now is a billion dollar budget. Um, so there's they're, they're having surpluses, but the surpluses are in the twenty thirty million dollar range. They're not um, not anywhere near um, uh, you know what's going to be, be required to make those pension payments. So they've put the way this money into a into a savings fund essentially, so that they can prepare for the for the fiscal cliff that's supposed to come in twenty twenty four. Yeah. So so part of the conceit of having declared bankruptcy, reorganized debt the way that the bankruptcy did, and then having the city emerge from it was the idea that you already had this momentum of investment taking place in the city. You already had Dan Gilbert saying, I'm moving to downtown Detroit and I'm trying to bring everybody else I can convince to do the same thing, to open businesses here. You've seen billions of dollars of investment in the city's core in downtown and midtown over that time. The idea was the bankruptcy sets the city up to be able to benefit from that investment uh, without going under or having too much of its money going to debt. I wonder if you can talk some, though, about the relationship between all of the investment that's happened in the city of Detroit and the growth of the city's tax base, uh, which is what government has to be able to meet the needs of uh, its citizens and, of course, to keep uh, to keep itself solvent. 
it's not a one-to-one relationship, but what kind of growth have we been able to see in the city's tax base since all of this investment took place? Well, um, we actually have a a smaller tax base, um, and that's one of the real red flags here uh, for both the city and for for the school district of Detroit as well, in that um, uh, at the beginning of the century, Detroit had a a property tax base that was valued somewhere in the range of $16 billion. Now it's $9 billion. And with inflation, it should be north of $20 billion um, or more. And so what's happened because of the of the um, um, so much of an abandonment in neighborhoods and the, and the blight and now the essentially the demolition of neighborhoods um, uh, for, they're, they're, you have almost worthless uh, property everywhere mm-hmm. and and so that's compounded itself then you had ha- and then there was a big huge reassessment of property after the bankruptcy um, that wasn't really as um, I would say during the bankruptcy, maybe not as uh, pronounced or people didn't really get an a, a idea of what the, the, the brevity of that would be. But it's it shaved several billions of dollars of assessed value off of the city's tax base. And and that was partly to do to, to basically stop the foreclosure crisis because the, Detroit's tax foreclosure crisis was still roaring pretty hot in 2014, 2015. Um, and there was a lot of different measures taken to try to help people keep it stay in their homes um, and one of them was to do this big citywide reassessment for the first time in six decades um, and as they did that uh, you came up with a much less valued uh, property uh, just to give you kind of an example of of, of how uh, wide and variety uh, you know varying the the uh, property of Detroit is um, Detroit's nine billion. Uh, stacks up to Grand Rapids, uh, a city of 45 square miles. Detroit is a city of 140 square miles. Mm -hmm. Grand Rapids has nearly $5 billion of property value. It comes out to uh, $106 million per square mile. And Detroit is about $65 um, uh, per square mile. A city like Newark, New Jersey, is very compact, 26 square miles. Uh, they have $14 billion of property. It comes up to $550 million mm-hmm. uh, per square mile. So mm-hmm. we have a very, very vast, expansive city. Um, and the reason why this matters is that in most cities in Michigan, they are very, very dependent upon property tax values to grow. And we have not seen that because we had this reevaluation. Now in that billion dollar budget, $112 million of it is property tax. Yeah, which is very, very low. Very, very low. Uh, if you if you go look at the budget of of, um, of Royal Oak or Westland or, or Warren or, or Livonia, you will find that two thirds of their budgets are, are, are property tax, direct on the on the on the on the uh, residential and commercial industrial property of those cities and in Detroit we are very dependent on two things casino tax revenue uh, which is roughly has remained amazingly steady around 175 to 180 million dollars for like a decade. Mm-hmm. That's why it was so um, uh, fought hard over <laughs> in the bankruptcy because a lot of creditors wanted in on that money. Yes. And and then um, there there 
the, right now this year's budget projects $369 million is coming from individual and corporate income taxes. Uh, we are very, as a city, very, very dependent upon uh, people being employed and people getting bonuses and people getting raises and, and having that growth. That has seen tremendous growth over the last uh, uh, five or six years. Um, partly, uh, the city's gotten better at enforcement, with especially with corporations paying uh, the the uh, the income tax, um, and and especially with look law firms in town, they've had a few fight, fights with, and also residents who who are living in uh, in downtown midtown uh, apartments, and and we're holding residency elsewhere in the suburbs, particularly mostly for car insurance purposes, but it also helped them evade uh, uh, half the income tax rate. Yeah. So that is um, that's one of the worrisome parts is that if we get a big downturn, people start getting laid off at one of our big employers, like like the one that uh, you know sells mortgages all over the country. Um, you you will have a lot of uh, you know just a big you know overnight drop in income tax revenue, and the city does not have a property tax base to make up for that. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Chad Livengood. He's a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business. We're talking about Detroit's finances six years after the bankruptcy and trying to put those finances in the context of what everyone seems to think is a coming economic slowdown, a recession of some sort. Uh, is the city prepared for that slowdown and prepared to not have it make a, a, a huge difference in the bottom line here, not send it back to financial peril. Um, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us what you think about the finances here in the city of Detroit, how much better they are than they were under uh, the bankruptcy or before the bankruptcy, and whether the bankruptcy achieved the things that we thought it would in terms of growth for the city's tax base, uh, its ability to provide services to the people who who live here. Um, what's your experience with that? What's your opinion about the way in which uh, that's all shaken out for the city of Detroit over the last six years. As always, on the phones, the number is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Um, uh, Chad, I want to talk about that that a little more about the tax base here and what the options look like for the city uh, as it approaches this this cliff of sorts with pension payments again. Um, you know, in the, in the state of Michigan, cities don't have a lot of leeway. They don't have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to revenue. They have property taxes. Some cities are allowed to levy an income tax. But there are lots of other things that go on in other states uh, that we're just not allowed to consider here. Where does that leave the city of Detroit as it tries to grow its tax base in advance of all these obligations, which really are just around the corner? Yeah. Uh, just for example, a lot of states have uh, local sales taxes mm -hmm. where you can have a sales tax just in your city. Um, you could in in I covered uh, I worked in Missouri for a couple of years and, and covered uh, state government there. 
And they had some 2,000 different sales taxing di- districts or jurisdictions. You could plop a sales tax down on like on like a small block in mm. the middle of downtown Kansas <laughs> City, and that would pay for some a special assessment. Uh, it was essentially a, a TIF version for for sales tax. But um, that's that's one of the issues. I mean, there was a report that came from Detroit City Council's legislative office uh, a couple weeks ago that kind of had an alarming. Um, uh, uh, data point that I that I noticed uh, was that uh, of that um, nine billion dollars taxable value, Detroit is abating almost twenty percent of its taxes. Um, Kansas City uh, is abating seven point seven percent. Portland one point nine. Boston four tenths of a percentage point. Uh, Grand Rapids five point eight percent. Uh, Memphis, three point eight percent. I mean, we we are um, just over and above abating more property in this city um, for taxes. And you think about some of the big projects, the big that that are going to be transformational for construction jobs and also for the city. I mean, the the, the Ford's Corktown renovation and and uh, autonomous uh, vehicle campus, um, uh, Dan Gilbert's construction of of the new uh, um, uh, skyscraper at the Hudson site and and the Monroe Blocks project, although that seems like kind of kind of on ice right now. And then and Fiat Chrysler Automobiles right now they are they're you know building the first auto plant in a generation, uh, converting the old Mack Avenue engine plants into a new assembly plant for Jeep vehicles. All of those projects are getting heavy um, um, tax abatements uh, where they will not pay um, much of, of any property tax for 10, 15, 30 years. Um, and and so some of your big, huge transformational projects that would create the type of tax base you're looking for aren't going to be contributing. And that that's, that's really kind of... Um, uh, one of the struggles that yes, we want these jobs, we want this investment, um, and of course, there's sort of a trade-off. We're, we're we're basically giving away the farm on the property tax in order to get the the income tax. But what happens if those jobs don't materialize, or those jobs, uh, um, you know, there's layoffs and and there's a big downturn. There's a lot of factors here uh, that may have to make you kind of wonder how how we would weather the next recession. Yeah. Uh, talk about city services. They are better than they were before the bankruptcy. I can say that as somebody who lives in the city and has regular garbage pickup, uh, bulk pickup, recycling, all kinds of things that uh, that we didn't used to have here in the city of Detroit. At the same time, there still aren't enough police officers or firefighters, and there isn't money necessarily to, to improve those things. Overall, though, uh, the city services picture uh, is is improving? Is that is that correct? Is still improving here in the city? I think everybody would would agree with that. That there has been noticeable improvement. Uh, Stephen, one of the lasting memories of the bankruptcy to me when when I was covering it at the Detroit News was I was driving in from Lansing every day and I I, I arrived at that parking lot at the uh, the old News and Free Press building there at. Uh, Lafayette and, and third and third, and, yeah. and um, during the the trial for the bank bankruptcy Detroit's eligibility to be in bankruptcy uh, in October of 2013, there the light there one one week was out for an entire week and like on Monday I was like man how's this light out like can't someone take care of this <laughs> the next morning why is no one taking care of this well you know it's because I was parking there and walking down to the courthouse and. 
like on Wednesday morning of that week, I actually saw a police officer just blow through the intersection. I took a picture of him doing it because he was turning left to go on the third to go uh, to, to the police headquarters of the public safety building. And then um, I finally sent a note to the editor, one of the editors of the Detroit News. I was like, "Can we? Can someone write a story about this light at our own intersection? It's out like the two the two newspapers are you know live at this intersection, and nobody's mm-hmm. even written about it. And Neil Rubin went down there and. Wrote a column about it, and then and like the, the next morning, um, uh, uh, Kevin Orr, the emergency manager, read the piece, and and had a crew down there tearing up the street um, to to try to fix this light. Uh, and I think by the end of the day, Friday, it was finally fixed. Yeah. But um, it was very instructive to me um, that a, a stoplight in on the edge of downtown uh, could be out for days on end. And nothing got done about it. Yeah. Um, I, um, and, and if that was to happen in Clawson, people would be going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but somehow it just became so normal. Um, and and it, it was really instructive because you know obviously it, it became just even you know it was worse. And, and if you couldn't get a, a stoplight fixed in, at Third and Lafayette, imagine what it was like, um, you know, on Houston, Houston Lydiar and 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 uh, and Gratiot. Uh, and so um, I. The, the the city has made all kinds of, uh, you know, they made this this improved Detroit app. I actually really encourage people to use this. Mm. I, I Every time I see a light out, I just go on that app and report it. Mm. And typically within, a, within pretty the day, responsive, right? they are pretty responsive. And that's that's something that just did not exist uh, pre-bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, I want to get you to talk just a little about the event that's happening uh, in the Cranes world this week, Homecoming, where we welcome back all kinds of expats, people who are from uh, Detroit or Southeast Michigan to come back and see what's changing, maybe get involved and invest in some of the changes that are going on. Uh, what are we looking forward to with Homecoming this year? Yeah, so this year we, we've got uh, a big lineup of, of, of a couple of, um, of uh, former Detroiters. Uh, Steve Case is coming. Uh, we've got... Uh, um, the event kicks off tonight at the Detroit Savings uh, uh, Bank building. That's mm-hmm. uh, Bedrock and, and Dan Gilbert's company just recently kind of finished up uh, renovating, so they're going to be showcasing this this uh, this building. Uh, and then it's a two day conference of a couple hundred uh, former Detroiters and former Metro Detroiters coming in. Uh, that'll be uh, at the um, the Max Fisher uh, Music Center on Woodward in Midtown. Um, and as part of the theme this year, it's really focused on on, on rebuilding Detroit's black middle class. Mm-hmm. And what can so some of the strategies that are going on, what's working, what could be done differently. Uh, and as part of that, for the preview of this, I, I went out and interviewed, found 10 um, African-American entrepreneurs in the city who have started or, or been growing businesses since the recession and just profiled how they did it, what they've what they've been doing. Pretty amazing stories. I mean, and with that, I found some 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 fault lines, though, as well. I mean, we got there was an um, Onyx Enter- Enterprises. Uh, uh, the owner is uh, an engineer named Terrilyn Buckles. Um, she struggled to get uh, engineering construction work in the city because small firms are getting locked out of big contracts mm-hmm. that are that, are, that are, they can't qualify for because of bonding because of their size and then big out of state or out of town uh, firms are kind of swooping in for some of this construction boom. As a result, she's been out uh, opening up new offices in Cleveland and Tampa and Atlanta, basically to grow her business outside of Detroit, yeah. which I thought was a really 
eye-opening uh, thing that, that needed to be kind of brought to some attention. And I, I, I talked to a, a guy who started a landscaping company, and he has struggled to get some mowing contracts and, and landscaping mm. contracts with some of the big um, uh, institutions and employers here in town. And he has to go out to the suburbs while he watches suburban uh, companies come into Detroit, come into Detroit to mow yeah. lawns. And so uh, there's some interesting uh, stories out there, the struggles that these entrepreneurs are going through. Another one, Naturalicious, a woman patented um, uh, a, um, uh, a beauty care, hair care uh, product for, for curly hair. And she was working on a pony ride in um, uh, uh, the uh, the workspace in in, in Corktown mm-hmm. that got closed down, and in trying to find some space, there was just not available four thousand square feet of production space. Now she's out in a warehouse in Livonia, wow. um, and and uh, I, uh, the mayor Duggan's uh, chief of staff reached out to me on that one and and wanted to get in touch with her. They obviously would like to have you know Detroit back. built yeah. businesses, um, you know, in staying in Detroit, but. It, so it, that's that's a very similar f- issue that you know happened in the in the previous uh, downturns of the city as well. Yeah. So um, the the the, uh, the story is available on cranesdetroit.com. Mm-hmm. It's not behind a paywall, so anybody can read it. And I'd encourage people to check out those articles in Cranes this week. Okay, Chad Livengood, senior editor at Cranes Detroit Business. Really great to have you here with us. Thanks for having me, Stephen. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. We are going to have a conversation tomorrow with Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. We'll ask him about the city's finances, about this $250 million bonding program he has proposed for demolition. And, of course, we'll talk about crime and education and all kinds of other issues here in the city of Detroit. So be sure to tune in for that tomorrow. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection for music, news, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.